SAFM, leading the conversation. The Viewpoint, 8 to 10 p.m. Flipping conventional wisdom on its head. Raymond Perio, who is a director at the Dennis Hurley Center, is with us to discuss World Homelessness Day. Uh, Raymond, 10 years. Thank you so Firstly, thank you so much for your time and for joining us here on The Viewpoint. Really, really do appreciate it. 10 years Good evening, since this Oliver. day. Lovely, lovely to be here. Yeah, 10 years since this day has been observed. Um, has the world made any progress on uh, solving for homelessness, right? With, and, and, and perhaps even understanding the problem of homelessness because I've realized that it's the world over vastly different. In South Africa, homelessness has a certain face. It has a look. That look in that face is often black. It's often destitute. It's often dirty. It's often uh, criminalized. But if you look at places like Los Angeles, homelessness can be in the embodiment of professionals who have jobs uh, but who just can't afford the city's rent and find themselves sleeping on the street under bridges or even in their cars. So the problem of homelessness uh, manifests materially different depending on where you are in the world. And so it's not a uh, monolithic problem. Uh, it is a complex one. Are we any closer to understanding its complexities? We are closer to understanding it. We're certainly not closer to, to solving it. Uh, and I'm not, I'm not going to try to speak on the subject of homelessness worldwide, although I have worked in the field in both London and New York, as well as here in Durban. But what I think is really interesting to notice in South Africa is that predominantly it's an economic problem that becomes a social problem. So in most of our cities, the guys that you see begging at robots, the guys that you see going through bins, the guys that you see sleeping in shop doorways are often young men who've moved to city centers looking for work. They don't find work and they end up living on the streets because they can't go home empty handed. And obviously that then becomes a social problem. But fundamentally, it's an economic it's, it's triggered economically. It's the shortage of jobs, the shortage of low skill labor uh, positions within our cities uh, that means that so many people who come looking for work can't find it. And in South Africa, maybe let's speak about the context of homelessness over here. It's quite clear what causes it, right? And our history plays a big part in that. Uh, but are there factors outside of, say, um, economic insecurity and apartheid legacy that contribute, um, you know, to homelessness today? Homelessness over here has always had a racial identity, but it's since changed. Like a vast majority of homeless people in South Africa, uh, well, a vast number of them are white, are perhaps um, outside of what is considered mainstream black poverty. Absolutely. So I would draw a distinction between street homelessness, which is what we normally think of as homelessness. So people who are living on the streets, maybe they're spending some nights in shelters, but but their lives are centered around the streets versus, as you referred earlier, to people living in informal settlements, people living in insecure housing who are not homeless in the in the traditional sense because they they have homes albeit very poor homes, very uh, uh, very un unpleasant, very fragile homes, but they're not living their lives on the streets. Um, that group of people, people in informal settlements, do tend to be skewed very much towards the back black population. What's interesting about street homelessness is that uh, is that actually you find black, white and brown people side by side living on the streets. In fact, I was visiting a shelter in Cape Town uh, a few months ago and I thought I'd never sight I thought I'd never see in Cape Town which is black, white and brown people side by side sleeping next to each other and uh, and socializing with each other rather than the usual segregation one finds in Cape Town. Uh, let's speak about Cape Town. It's an interesting case study, right? Um 
because its its response to homelessness has perhaps been the most loudest and most controversial. Um, and the result of, of, of the city's response there has been to, in many ways, to criminalize homelessness by finding homeless people for sleeping under certain bridges or in certain pavement, sideway, sidewalks, and all of that sort of stuff. Um, is there a blueprint model about how to respond to homelessness and how far off or how far close to that is the city of Cape Town, for instance? So, so there isn't a blueprint. That, that, that it, ironically, it's hard to say what you should do. It's very easy to say what you shouldn't do. So finding people is clearly pointless. Arresting people is pointless. Waking people up in the middle of the night and moving them is pointless. And too often politicians do things because they need to be seen to be doing something, even though they know it has absolutely no effect. So one of the strategies in Cape Town is to make homelessness less visible for tourists. So they move homeless people out of the city centre. They don't solve the problem, they just move the problem. But in fact, all of our metropolitans have, in different ways, implemented bylaws that uh, that criminalise poverty. For example, here in Durban, we've got showers all along the beachfront, but the uh, Etiquini municipality made it illegal for homeless people to use those showers. So even though there are showers available, what? homeless people can't actually keep themselves clean. Oh, yes, they passed Sorry, a bylaw no. a few years ago. Yeah, I'm going to need you to slow down there, Raymond, and describe to me what that looks like in practice. If I, not a homeless person, Oliver, I'll be in Durban tomorrow. Hopefully, I'll spend some time at the beach with my producers. If I go to the beach and I'm done and my feet are full of sand, I can go pop myself under one of those showers and go back home. But a homeless yep. person can't do that, even if they were enjoying the beach. Perhaps if you're a homeless person and, for example, you take out soap to start cleaning yourself, then the police will stop you and they've arrested homeless people. I, uh, homeless guys have turned up at my office with fines given to them by the police for using the showers on the beachfront. I usually just send the fine to the chief of police and say, I'm sure your officers have got better things to do than enforce this fine. It will not be paid. Raymond, how's no one litigated against the constitutionality of what is a clearly inhumane prejudiced practice? So there have been there have been some some attempts and some successful ones, both in against the city of Tswane and the city of Cape Town. There have been successful legal actions taken, particularly uh, in situations where the police have swooped in in the middle of the night and destroyed people's belongings and moved them on without giving them warning, without giving them an opportunity to save the, the few belongings they have. We at the Dennis Hurley Center run a clinic for homeless people. And regularly, homeless people have their 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 ARVs and their other medication destroyed when the police go in and do those kind of swoops. So there have been successful uh, legal actions, and uh, cities have been fined, and they've had to pay out compensation to homeless people, and yet they carry on doing it because they think they can get away with it. Raymond, an obvious panacea to a homelessness problem is to give people homes. Um, there clearly seems to be an incapability on any of the administrative governments we've had since 1994 to be able to do this. Why is that? The, uh, clearly, there, there, there's a massive cost and there's a massive demand. And I think we have a situation in South Africa, which w w wouldn't be true of, of say, countries in, in Europe, where you've got street homeless people, but you don't have huge numbers of people living in informal settlements. And I think Quite legitimately, there is a sense, well, if we're going to spend government money on building houses, we should be giving those houses to people who are already living stable lives, albeit in shacks, 
rather than giving it to people who are living on the streets. So people living on the streets are always right at the bottom of the queue in terms of housing, in terms of jobs, in terms of any kind of services. Exactly the point you made earlier, that homeless people are invisible to most politicians. They really uh, don't notice, they don't care, and the only time they ever do anything is when somebody complains and their response is to is to clear people away as if they were as if they were litter. Yeah. Maybe let's speak about the alternative. Why then do I get the sense that shelters are also inaccessible? So most shelters, uh, certainly in Durban, most shelters are private institutions. So they so they charge uh, uh, for their facilities, 30 rand, 40 rand a night, which uh, which is a lot to pay for a yeah. not particularly clean mattress and a not particularly clean building. There are some cities that do have uh, a church-run and, and NGO-run shelters, which are, which are subsidized. One of the successful initiatives which has come out as a result of COVID, ironically, is the creation of safe open sleeping spaces. So we have several of them here in Durban. Uh, that Those are spaces on municipal land where tents have been put up and homeless people can sleep there overnight. Uh, there's no cost. And importantly, they're not going to be harassed by the police. So we've got about 500 people in, uh, in central Durban who are using those safe open sleeping spaces. They're not perfect by any means, but it's certainly better for the homeless guys and for the neighbours that, uh, that there is there is an alternative to sleeping rough on the beach or, or in shop doorways. Give us a call. The number to dial is 086-000-2032, 086-000-2032. I'm taking your WhatsApp voice notes on 0614-104-107. And do remember... Uh, that Lisiko will not play your voice notes if it's longer than a minute and if I can hear myself in the background. We'd love to hear you send us those voice notes. Tweet me at Oliver underscore speaking. I'm in conversation with Raymond Perrier, who is the director, uh, was a director at the Dennis Hurley Center. When we're talking about World Homelessness Day, do we have any idea how to solve homelessness in South Africa? I mean, quite obviously, the answer to me is build houses for people and put them in those houses. And while we do that, let's find humane alternative structures uh, where we can protect people away from the elements of what is homelessness. Um, but how far along are we? Perhaps um, you have yourself lived as a homeless person or live in insecure housing where you're borderline homeless. Give us a call, that call. Reflect with us on this conversation. I would love to hear from you. 086-000-2032. That's the number to dial. Raymond, so my next question was going to be, around some of the interim interventions that came about uh, overnight as a result of COVID-19. So we had those ministerial task team who overnight said, well, it, there's a curfew and you cannot be outside and for homeless people, we'll make a plan. How many of those structures, and you mentioned in Etequini, some of those structures are still up. In fact, one um, in houses, and I say house, houses here loosely, about 500 people. But do you have an idea about what the sustainability of those structures are, whether they're still being funded um, and whether there's any transitional plan from that to any sort of formal ho uh, housing um, and whether or not uh, that model can be, you know, uh, rolled out across the country? So, so sadly not. In fact, what we're seeing is uh, uh, the few things that could be done to make these situations better than they are are not being, and we're not taking advantage of those opportunities. I'll give you a, a specific example. About half of homeless people who are mostly South Africans do not have an ID. 
So without an ID, they can't access a grant, they can't access uh, jobs, they can't access training, they can't access anything. Yeah. Uh, as I said earlier, we've got homeless people in municipally run uh, safe open sleeping spaces here in Durban. We know who they are, we know where they are, we've got a list of them. It would be so easy for the Department of Home Affairs to come along and help replace the IDs of all those, of all those people. And yet three years, are almost three years after COVID began, almost three years after we provided a list of all the homeless people who needed IDs, we have, I think, Home, Home Affairs have delivered about 30 of the uh, of the uh, 700 uh, uh, IDs that we identified uh, were needed here in here in central Durban. So even the smallest action that could be taken to help homeless people seems to be either beyond the care or beyond the competence or beyond the imagination of a lot of government officials. And I think the problem is fundamentally a lack of empathy an inability to home, see homeless people as my brother, my cousin, my son, my daughter. But of course, they are somebody, every homeless person is somebody's son, is somebody's brother. Yeah. And yet we don't see them as human beings and therefore don't feel the need to reach out and help. So, um, I, I was actually going to ask you that and perhaps maybe let's spend a minute or two reflecting on that. It's a very trite question, but it's still important to make the obvious even more obvious. Why is it that our politics are so unempathetic and devoid of compassion? Uh, we're a country, a people that pride ourselves in the spirit of Ubuntu, yet we have a homelessness crisis. Why is this something that we working class, middle class people are not making an issue uh, when it comes to the ballot box, why are we a discompassionate um, society? I think I, I hate to say it. I think it is the uh, people's fear that they are under threat, and they see homeless people as one of those threats. So far from wanting to help homeless people, they want to distance them. They want to get rid of them. They want to uh, uh, they, they want to somehow uh, remove them from the remove them from the picture. But we have had some successes at the the uh, the municipal elections um, uh, last year. We did have as the national homeless network of which the Dennis Hurley Center is a part. We put together a national homeless manifesto, which was specifically a challenge to every municipality and parties competing for votes in each municipality about what can be done on the ground in each of those cities, because there aren't there aren't broad brush solutions, it's specific solutions for specific, specific situations and particular cities. It's the organizations on the ground who understand that and who yeah. know that. Unfortunately, politicians aren't great at listening to the people who know about a problem. They'd much rather come up with 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 bizarre uh, blanket uh, blanket solutions. I heard an idea the other day. Somebody said, if we had a census of the homeless people, we could solve the problem. They l honestly think that creating a database of homeless people is going to be is going to be helpful. I have no idea what they're going to do with it. If they there want to look somebody up, what are they going to do? There? Are they going are they going to phone them? They're going to email them? What, what what do they think they're going to do with the database? Yeah. But it's 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 this it's this this desire that policy, either they do nothing or they do things which are completely pointless but look as if they're useful but actually don't pass any test in terms of utility. It seems like such a weird missed opportunity in political strategizing to not think of homeless people as a voting constituency when they very much are and could be. Um, and solving for their problem as an ever-growing constituency could very easy build you a political base. And I'm just speaking about political strategy. Obviously, that's crass and essentializing homeless people. Um, but even at its worst, politicians can't seem to see that. 
Yeah, but I would I would argue that this is this is about uh, uh, this is about um, enlightened self interest. So I live on the beachfront in Durban. We've got a big local problem of homelessness around here. So I, as a voter on the beachfront, uh, I hope I'm voting because I care about homeless people, but also because the quality of my life is improved if steps are taken to uh, to uh, improve the lives of homeless people around here. Similarly, in terms of providing health care to homeless people. COVID has made us all aware yet again right. that having a uh, an illness in our community which affects some people eventually affects everybody in our cities. If there's an outbreak of cholera, it's going to happen among the homeless community first, but it'll, it will soon affect everybody. And yet there is all, there is almost no government provision of health care for homeless people. Give us that call, 086-000-2032. Let's go to the lines. Um, Craig in Pretoria. Craig, good evening. Good evening, and, and good evening to your, your guest. Um, I just, you know, recently we put in a bid to do a study in, in Durban. And Sorry, Craig, uh, who's we? Uh, our company that, we, that I work for. You know, uh, Durban put out a bid to do a study of homelessness in, uh, in the, the metro. And, um, you know, I'm a, when you're collecting information in terms of homelessness is critically important. You need to have an understanding of uh, where there are concentrations of homeless people. And that distribution might change fairly frequently. So it needs to be done on a fairly uh, frequent basis. There are statistical methods which we recommended to the municipality and then if they ever got back to us, maybe somebody else had been given the bid. But there are distinctive rapid methods that can be utilized, uh, one of them being what we call a point-quarter method, which you look at the intersection as the basis for your sampling, and you can rapidly determine the concentration and the distribution of homeless people. Now, what I was quite shocked about, and, and your, your, your guess- Can I, can I just pause you there, Craig, just for a second? When you, when you do such a study, what information are you- are you looking to collect what are the questions you're you're answering well i think that there would be a number of different questions that one would need to think through in terms of this first and foremost it's primarily about the the numbers of of homeless people okay Um, and and why numbers are important it's because it will always be about accessibility in other words and and what we have done for government in the past is we've said when you've got this information you can establish norms and standards which give you the perspective in terms of how many homeless shelters you require now we did the mapping of the homeless shelters in 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 durban and i was quite shocked um in terms of the distribution and i'm saying to myself is this a true reflection of where the homeless people uh, live? And my, my gut feeling was, no, I don't think that this is the case. I think that, and as a consequence, without information, maybe this is what uh, your, your guest called a, a database. The database is primarily going to be utilized, or not primarily, but primarily utilized for purposes of determining the requirement for facilities for, for the, the homeless uh, people. And that's, yeah. that's a very simple simplistic answer in a way maybe i'm being yeah before you do uh raymond i just want to make this uneducated uh interjection and then you you can respond a little bit more substantively It, it, it seems to me craig and i hope i'm not being pedantic here that there is a material difference between a headcount and a database Headcount being that we're just trying to determine the quantity of homeless people whereas a database is 
goes more is a collection of demographic ethnographic uh information uh perhaps even uh, contact details um biometric information if necessary um about profiling each homeless person um am, to 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 the extent that um you're collecting a database what would what purpose would it serve other than saying hey here's a heat map uh, if you were doing were doing a headcount, here's a heat map of where homeless people are. Here's the seasonal patterns around which they move. When it rains, you'll find them predominantly concentrated here versus when it's a hot summer's day over here. Um, and, and, and and that will inform you where to, to, to distribute your resources towards. Is there, am I understanding those two things to be different uh, studies? No, they're exactly the same thing. But what I am saying to you is that first and foremost, you have to design a mechanism by which you do the enumeration. And that enumeration would be defined by a, a multidisciplinary team of experts who would I'm, say, look, I'm, I'm, not I'm, only... Please, please, can I respond to this? Sure, sure, sure. Uh, uh, Raymond? So, so I couldn't agree with you more, Craig. Research is useful. Etiquini Municipality spent a fortune on a very, very thorough research exercise with the Human Science Research Council a few years ago, and they assessed not only how many homeless people there were, but where they lived, where they were from, what their level of education was, and so on. And that survey came up with a number of strong recommendations to address homelessness in Durban. The municipality had, uh, implemented not a single one of those recommendations. They ended up doing a few by accident when COVID happened. And now their answer is, let's do another survey, because the best way to avoid solving a problem is to keep, keep employing consultants to count the problem. And I'm afraid this is the trap that so many politicians fall into. They know it's a complex problem. So a best way of not doing anything about it is to waste a few more years and a lot more money doing more research, none of which ever gets implemented. Yeah. Craig, do you want to take a bite to that? Craig? For the person, yeah. Sorry, sorry, we lost you there for a second. Do you want to do you want to take a bite at that? No, I'm just saying. That, I mean, I can't agree with you more. You know, I'm an ex-member of the HSOC, so I was I was there at the HSOC when the study was being done. The complexity of the matter is that if you don't take research information and transform it into some form of policy recommendation, then it is pointless. And 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 that was the point that we made to Itekweni when they were uh, advertising for the new uh, study that was being uh, done there. You see, the one thing that the, 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 the HSOC study didn't do was the ability to map the concentration, the hotspots. Uh, and it's not just simply about hotspots because that is what we call a point method. I'm talking about quantifying it using a sample design, using a method that allows you to quantify down to fairly granular level. And the basis upon that is to, in the first instance, to answer question about how accessible are the shelters in Durban, and this could be applied to any metropolitan area in, in our country. How accessible are they? Do we need more? And that must be based on norms and standards. Norms and standards should be set by the national government or by an entity, which is that in terms of the concentration of people, this is the number of facilities that we require. Over and above that, we cannot be reliant on, the, on, on, on purely those mechanisms in order to deal with the issues associated with homelessness. And yeah. I don't want to yeah. downplay the fact that this 
is a highly complex matter. These are human beings. They have feelings. They've got reasons. There's a whole range of us, um, aspects associated with them which we need to get grips with. But if that information is not turned into a mechanism or a, an action mechanism, it is pointless. And if that is what uh, Tequeni is doing, then it's pointless. The approach that we would have taken would have quantified it to an extent where we could have brought about some dramatic changes to how we look at, at helping uh, homeless people uh, in, in a municipality like, like Durban. Craig, thank you so much for your call. Really, really do appreciate your insights and your input. Uh, that's Craig calling from Pretoria, but speaking about Durban. Let's have a listen to some of your voice notes that's come through on the WhatsApp voice note line. Good evening, Apo from Kabecha. I just wanted to make a comment on the discussion about homelessness. We also have to acknowledge that um, homelessness is not also necessarily caused by probably, you know, um, the economic uh, state of South Africa, but it's also, uh, you know, about the high drug use and substance abuse in our country. So you will find out also in those who are homeless, they do have homes and stuff like that. Just that, you know, they left, you know, home because I once watched a SABC documentary, uh, which did actually, you know, uh, interview some of the homeless people, which, you know, were, you know, um, hard on drugs and stuff like that. But I want to say that um, this issue has to be looked in many different directions. Thank you. Homelessness in Africa, especially in South Africa, is encouraged by our colonial system. The minute you don't allow people to have an access to land, you want them to be homeless. That's the first thing we need to deal with. Colonial system that prevents citizens, people from an access to land. We need to deal with the system. And also, homeless people are bullied in this country. They are ignored by political parties, including Christian political parties. They also ignore this group of people. It said it's something we need to deal with. Thank you, it's Justin P.E. Hi there, Oliver, and to your guests, Carl from Durban. Um, would it not possibly make sense to recruit from amongst the homeless, maybe with psychometric tests or basic reliability integrity tests, to appoint people to do the census of the homeless people, the, the people who move amongst the community and are possibly ex-professors from Rwanda or, or, or trained educators or, or just Honest people who've fallen on hard times. Just a thought. Thank you so much for those WhatsApp voice notes that's come through. Uh, Raymond, as we close this off, do you want to reflect on some of the comments that have come through there? And perhaps let me ask you this question as a solutionist and action-based question. What other forms of help can we extend to homeless people outside of just housing and shelter? 
Um, social support, for instance, is one such. And you made an example earlier of just getting homeless people to have IDs, ID documents, so that they too, for instance, can and can access social welfare assistance. Uh, are there other social interventions that we could do immediately that will make the lives of homeless people significantly more bearable? Oh, sorry, Raymond. Can you can you just pause and maybe repeat that? We seem to be on a terrible line with you right now. I don't know what went went wrong there. Can oh. you try again? Is is that better? Much much moved? much clearer. Much clearer. Okay. One of the challenges to government is that when they implement strategies to think about how accessible those services are actually to the poorest of the poor, particularly homeless people. So, for example, the government introduced an emergency grant during COVID, but the only way you could access it was through a smartphone or through access to email. So clearly, by definition, the people you're trying to help are the ones least likely to have smartphones, least likely to have access to email. But sometimes there are government departments who recognize this and change their systems. So, for example, when the COVID vaccine was introduced, it was only it was available for free to everybody but you needed documentation to access it. You needed an ID card. But we lobbied, the National Homeless Network lobbied directly with the Department of Health, and they've made exemptions in each city that there are places where people without documents can go and get a COVID vaccine, and there's a way around the system. So they recognized that the system they devised was actually going to prevent homeless people from accessing that service. So sometimes it simply is a matter of recognizing that this community who are in our midst have a greater difficulty accessing services than others. So let's not put more obstacles in, the, in, their, in their way. There's something all of us can do though, whether we're government officials or businesses or churches, but every individual, and that's to stop and greet a homeless person, to stop, wind down your window and chat to somebody at the lights. You don't have to give them money. You don't have to give them anything, but giving somebody the time of day, recognizing them as a human being, Ask them how their day is going, asking them what their name is and how and, 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 and how they're coping is a great way of building empathy and helping us as individuals to see homeless people as our fellow citizens, as our brothers and sisters. Raymond, thank you so much for your time. Really, really do appreciate it. Thank you for the greatly important work that you're doing. Um, and I hope you continue doing that great work. And hopefully we will end homelessness in our lifetime. Can I say, in closing, we have a national homeless conversation happening. So anyone at all who's interested in homelessness is welcome to join us in Johannesburg at the beginning of November. If they go to the National Homeless Network website, they can find out more information and register to, to join us. And that website URL is? is if they just Google National Homeless Network, the, uh, uh, the, the page will pop up. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Raymond. Really, really do appreciate it. Let's take a quick break. On the other side of this, we speak to Nazim Mustafa, who's the Chief Research Specialist uh, at the Center for Science and Technology and Innovation.